You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Where does Scotty Barnes fall in this year's crop of wings? Stay tuned and you'll find out. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Again, that is Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. My name is Sam Ferris, and I am one of your co-hosts. As always, I'm joined by my friend Cody. And of course, we are here today to talk NBA draft. And Cody, we've got a couple scouting reports that we want to hit and cover today. So uh, why don't you tell us who we're going to cover, Cody? Yeah, so for today's show, the first segment, we are going to go over Scotty Barnes, what Sam and I like about him, what we're a little bit worried about. Then in the second segment, after the break, we're going to give you a breakdown of the Auburn Tigers, JT Thor. He is a very interesting prospect, and I think Sam has some pretty pretty good takes on him. And then the final segment, we'll talk about them both uh, and kind of tell you guys where we have them big picture and what we expect from them at the next level. So let's get into it and start with Mr. Scotty Barnes. So Scotty Barnes is another one of these big kind of hybrid wings that NBA teams do covet, but there's a bunch of these guys, Cody, that we we've talked about, you know, a couple of them, Jalen Johnson, Zaire Williams, he could throw in there, Kaminga as well. And Barnes is in that group for me where he he's just been kind of tough for me to gauge into place. I think I've wrapped my mind around kind of my projection of him. On the surface level, he's a guy that I really like just in terms of the size, the feel, the IQ. He's shown the willingness both to pass and to defend. He can fit into a role, but there are some worries with him that we're going to get into, but uh, where do you want to jump in on, on Scotty Barnes, Cody? So let's start with some of his strengths and kind of out of those wings you mentioned, in my opinion, he has the best kind of feel and playmaking ability. I would say that's his biggest strength along with the physical tools at 6'9", 230 and moves really well, uh, very coordinated on the fast break. Uh, I really like like his passing, he had a almost 32% assist rate this year. Uh, he flashed some playmaking in the pick and roll and then just on the fast break where uh, he's a pretty heady player. How, what do you like most about his game? So let me give you some stats to back up what you were just talking about. You know, I'll just start right off with one of my deep dive stats on Scotty Barnes. You talked about his passing and his IQ at that size. So for freshmen, 6'9 or over, Scotty Barnes has by far the highest assist rate ever recorded at 32.4%. And second, as you might guess, is Ben Simmons at 27.4%. So 5% behind him, pretty significant gap there. And then just comparing Scotty Barnes to all players of all classes in college basketball this year of guys 6'9 and higher, Barnes was second both in assist and steal rates. So I think that kind of shows both the feel, uh, the natural IQ that he has, and that he's worked to develop, plus 
you know, those hands defensively. And I am one of those guys, Cody, that believes that that feel and that IQ translates to both sides of the ball very often with these guys. You know, sometimes we've seen with guys that effort can wane, can vary, uh, you know, young kids, it happens. But if I see that IQ on one side of the court, I'm buying it on both sides of the court. It's just something that tends to translate. Yeah, absolutely. And an interesting thing about him. So for those of you that don't know, um, he really struggles to shoot the ball and we'll get into that. But some of the concerns then for him are what he's going to do in the half court. Well, one of the things I actually really like him at is managing the pick and roll. So interestingly enough, if you consider his possessions plus his assists last year, he was 91st percentile in half court offense. And another cool stat from Synergy I saw is he was the 99th percentile on pretty good volume in the pick and roll when he's the ball handler and the defense commits to a switch or a trap. Uh, I just think his size and his vision and uh, his ability, once he does get a full head of steam going downhill, I mean, he's either going to try and dunk on guys or he's a pretty good sidestepper and uh, has some pretty good feel around the hoop. So uh, interestingly enough, uh, his half-court offense kind of around the pick and roll, uh, I, I really liked. Yeah, that's something that stood out on film and was very fun to watch. One play in particular that stood out was he was running the pick and roll. He went off the screen, and like you'll see a lot of the best guards in the NBA do, you'll see Chris Paul do this a ton. Common tactic, but he put his guy in jail. He was very patient, took his time. And because he's so tall, uh, he was able to see the lob because he made the big commit and he just kind of floated the ball up for a dunk. So I, I, I'm a fan of size when it comes to passing. We've talked about this before, but most of the best players in terms of passers in the NBA have that size. You know, you talked about how good he is when he's either doubled, getting blitzed or switching. Just that ability to see over the top is so valuable. He has that. But, Cody, I do want to come back at you on that in terms of his projection to the next level because one of my issues with him is if he doesn't shoot, which I think it's more likely than not that he does not, number one, is his team going to be having him run a significant amount of pick and roll at the next level? And if not, where do you think he's really going to provide value in the half court? Right. I'd say no. And especially early on, uh, he is a higher end prospect that I do consider like a major uh, project because of the shooting limitations. I do think there's a world where, you know, he's in his mid twenties and he's able to be on a team and either off the bench or whatnot, be a little bit more of an on ball and facilitator type, not to Ben Simmons extent, but kind of a similar role like that. Uh, but you're right. I wouldn't expect that early on teams handing him, you know, keys to the offense. He's got a, as like great as his handle is at times and it's flashy and um, solid. He's got to really hone in on all his offensive skills. And like you said, the jump shot isn't something I'm buying into as well. And that just makes it difficult all around uh, if you're limited when it comes to spacing the floor and shooting the ball. So interesting. What are your thoughts on some of that? 
Yeah, I want to talk about the jump shot in our third segment today, Cody, because I think it is key for both Thor and both and Scotty Barnes, both the guys we're going to talk today, in terms of how you project their offensive role at the NBA level. Uh, but let's touch on a couple more things with Scotty Barnes because he's he's going to derive, you know, or provide a lot of his value on defense. Uh, 3.4% steal rate is very good. 2.1% block rate is solid, but not great. I do think, Cody, that his athleticism to me is a little overrated by some. Uh, he He's big, right? He's 6'9". He's got long legs. He does have kind of a higher center of gravity. I do not see him as a guy that you can put on smaller guards in the NBA on the perimeter. I view him more as a defender on kind of the bigger wing types. And just, I don't necessarily see him as just like a shutdown one-on-one guy I've seen him compared at times with guys like OG Ananobi and I just I don't think he's that level of athlete either vertically or kind of moving his feet on the perimeter you will see Scotty Barnes you know press up guys guard full court but I mean he's certainly willing to defend and he's smart but a little bit of that is just kind of showy to me and it's a little more styled in substance. I don't know. What I'm trying to say is I do think he's going to be a good defender. But in terms of projecting how good a guy is on ball at the NBA level is a bit difficult to do unless they're like the very high end 95th percentile guy where you just know this guy is a stud. Okora was like that to me. And to me, Scotty Barnes doesn't quite reach that threshold. So I just don't know how good and how valuable he's going to be on that end. Yeah, I definitely don't see him as, you know, one of those stellar defensive wing uh, prospects. I do think, I think he'll trim up a little bit actually. And hopefully he does and becomes a little lighter on his feet and, uh, you know, and improves his, his athleticism, his lateral quickness and whatnot. Uh, but, also, while, you know, retaining some of that strength and uh, that size he has on his build. But at this point, um, yeah, I definitely don't see him in a class as one of those, you know, amazing defenders like we had. We felt about Okoro and how I felt about uh, Vassell. But like you said, the physical tools are there. And I think he will be a, at least a solid defender. And for me, I think it's something he should totally put uh, his eggs into like he should put him into that basket because the jump shots going to be a long project and with his play style like I think if he wants the the playing time and the contracts I think it would do him favors if he really honed in on that side of the floor and obviously you work on the offense you work on everything but there was an Aaron Gordon quote one time uh, I should have pulled it up, but where he just talked about how it took him so many years to realize what his strengths were. And instead of trying to be Kevin Durant, he should have been trying to be, you know, Draymond basically was what he was yeah. saying. And I hope Scotty Barnes really buys in to what he has and what he doesn't have at this point. And again, you always work to improve the other uh, parts of your game. You don't settle and just be like, yeah, I'll never be a shooter, but really buy into your role. And I mean, the physical tools with him and the athleticism, if he can improve and really embrace that, uh, that would be great for him, in my opinion. Yeah, that's been the issue with Aaron Gordon for a long time. And the funny thing is, from the outside, 
everyone has said that about him for so long and he's finally figuring it out. And it's easier when he can kind of fit into a role in Denver. But for Scotty Barnes, I do view him. He seems like, to me at least, more of a self-aware guy that's going to know his role. Mm -hmm. Um, But kind of last point here, in terms of the jump shot, we're going to talk about in the final segment. But even if it does come along, there is no chance that he shoots it like in terms of movement from three. There's no off the dribble. It's a set shot that takes a while. And I think there's a chance that, you know, he he takes that set shot. You know, eventually it gets to a certain threshold where it's workable, but he's never going to be a high volume or a quick trigger guy. And and that certainly hurts. You know what? If he does end up shooting, he's not going to reach a super high threshold. Yeah, agreed. So we're going to take a quick break and we will get into JT Thor once we're back. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders, in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. There are all sorts of people participating, like I said. There's great locker room discussions going on in there. You'll find fans just like you. Uh, for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to big news and rumors. So go download the free Locker Room app right now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and then join whatever groups you want, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, for the latest uh, league updates. On the, I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues, and you'll be able to connect with others that are as passionate as you are. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, so let's jump into our second evaluation and scouting report today. Another guy that projects to play kind of a similar position at the NBA level, and that is JT Thor. Cody, I'm really excited to talk about him today. He, to me, is one of, if not my favorite value in terms of evaluating these guys. He's projected, I don't think he's even, you know, for sure declared for the NBA draft yet, but if so, he's mostly looked at as a second round prospect. And I think he is much more intriguing than that. And we're going to get into why that is. Um, but I guess, number one, Cody, what is the most intriguing thing about JT Thor to you? So it's the physical tools and the potential to stretch the floor. He's 6'10", 205 pounds, and he is long. Do you have his wingspan, Sam? No, I was going to ask you too, but it's definitely plus. It's, it's in the seven feet range so and yeah he's a freshman uh this year he slashed 44 29 74 so that 29 percent does belie his actual ability a little bit uh the jump shot is lefty it looks good i think and i you know i think i know where your your opinion on his jumper is too but uh I think it translates. Uh, he's really raw other than that right now. Uh, what what makes you excited about JT or what are some of the things that you want to talk about first here? couple different things for me, but we'll start high level here. 
In terms of just the sales pitch on JT Thor, to me, it's a little similar to Rocco. I mean, they're not too similar prospects, but just in terms of I'm a fan of these prospects that have real physical tools and also have a baseline of skills to go along with that, but also guys who have what I call no roadblocks. In other words, there's no real issues with their games that you can see holding them back. For example, we talked about with Scotty Barnes, the jumper is a work in progress. Even if he does hit it, it's a set shot that is not going to be super respective. He's not going to be a guy that, you know, has gravity out to the three-point line. You know, issues like that that are going to be hard to overcome, whether it's shooting form, whether it's significant IQ deficiencies or significant work ethic deficiencies, you know, it could be a number of things. To me, I don't see any roadblocks with him. Uh, I love the physical tools, and to me, it, that's the type of prospect that I call NBA Plato, where these teams can get their hands on him and kind of do what they want. But yeah, let's get into the jump shot first. You said 29% from three this year, right, Cody? Yep. And if I had to just say, I would say that he's one of the guys that I'd be most confident that that number understates the value that he will obtain as a shooter at the next level. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think he projects well as a shooter. I mean, one, he can get it off and two, it, it looks really good. And I think with more time and reps, uh, he's going to be able to, to shoot the NBA three for sure. Yeah. And it's a good compare contrast with Scotty Barnes because JT Thor has such a quick and such a fluid trigger for a guy his size. And maybe it's just the aesthetics of the game that make me like JT Thor a little too much, but he makes it look easy and he makes it look smooth. And that's not to say that he's even that skilled at this point in time, but you can just see the hints and the flashes. You know, one of his biggest games this year was against Kentucky had over 20 points, and a lot of it was at the end where he hit multiple threes in a, in a row. And so, you know, the value of a high percentage or efficient player from three is important. But when we're talking about gravity, to me, the things that make up gravity is the volume that you shoot plus how quick you can get them off. And to me, I think he's going to be able to hit both those things. And so I, I just bank on that jumper being actually really good, especially when you're tying that to a guy that has those physical tools. Um, so we're looking at a guy that could potentially both protect the rim a little, can move on the perimeter, has a blossoming young skill set, and also has the makings of a really nice jump shot. Obviously, there's question marks, right? He's, he's still very young. Uh, he's still figuring out a lot about the game, but that base that he's got has the chance to grow into something pretty special. Yeah, he is really raw at this point. That kind of comes through in his his total numbers in the film. So he averaged nine and five this year and didn't play, you know, 30 plus minutes a game just because of sometimes being so raw, I think. And then also. Uh, just the basketball IQ at this point and being able to stay on the floor. But yeah, he, he is a project for sure. And yeah, has the physical tools. Absolutely. And like you said, the fluid jump shot and yeah, his ability to move on the perimeter defensively too. He's going to get stronger. Uh, 
I think he can still uh, kind of grow into his body. I think the coordination at times, it's really interesting because for a guy that's so smooth and then sometimes catching some lobs is so smooth. He has moments where his hands are really bad, drops passes, looks a little clumsy at times. But So I think some of that stuff will improve as far as his body and his coordination as well. So he he's a guy that, you know, in my opinion, and I think you'd agree, Sam, that is, you know, four years away from from really developing, but you just can't deny the potential and the physical tools that he has. Yeah, I mean, I agree to a certain extent, but defense can always get you on the court. And yeah, I believe Scotty Barnes is definitely the more consistent defender, the guy that, you know, a coach might trust earlier on in his career. But in terms of their upside defensively, I think it's pretty similar, but you could even argue that JT Thors is higher. Uh, 5.8% block rate and 1.9% steal rate. We always quote those, and those obviously do not tell the whole story, but they're a good indicator of kind of the talent and just the energy and how much they're affecting the game, right? So if you're just looking at stocks, he does he does outdo Scotty Barnes there, but he's got the long arms, and for a player that's still developing, he he has a pretty good idea of how to affect shots around the rim. Um, in terms of what you talked about him being four years away, I just don't know that that's necessarily the case because we've seen it with teams and it depends where he gets drafted and how Mm -hmm. high he goes because we saw it with Poku where, yeah, we thought this dude's three, four years away and he's still struggled and was super inefficient. Let's not kid ourselves. He, he definitely did not help them win. But he got a ton of playing time. He's got his feet wet. And I could see him being ready to actually contribute by the end of his second season. So I'm just a little hesitant in today's NBA to say four years away. That's a long time. We don't know. These guys could progress at a pretty rapid rate. So I don't want to write him off, you know, four years. But he is certainly a raw-ish player right now. And how well and how consistently he defends to me will probably determine how much his coach will trust him in year one or year two to get yeah. some playing time. Yeah. So for me, it's not playing time. It's being at least average or above average and contributing to winning. And um, yeah, for sure. like for sure, if he plays for OKC or Houston or whoever else uh, right now, that's Orlando. Uh, yeah. Playing time's one thing, but he is, in my opinion, a long ways from really contributing to winning just because of how raw he still is. And then also uh, just the, the basketball IQ honestly on both ends for me. So, but I mean, I, I absolutely believe he can play for some of these teams. And I think that's, in my opinion, I've always been more of the, if you can let young guys play a lot and play through mistakes, uh, I think that, that can be the best. There's obviously times where that ruins some guys' careers, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, I think it'd be great for him to end up on a team where he can he can just get a lot of run and and play through it. Yeah, any any players that he reminds you of, maybe shades of any guy, whether it's kind of a lower or high end outcome. I know we don't like to do one for one comparisons, but any part of his game, and I know he's so raw too that it could really go. <laughs> 
any sort of directions uh, with JT Thor? Oh yeah, it's it's kind of tough. I don't have anyone off the top of my head. Do you? Not really. I mean, in terms of like the very high end outcome, maybe like a Jonathan Isaac type guy, but that's like the very high end outcome. The thing is that this is tough because he's still so raw, but he's got the physical tools. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, the low end outcome would be kind of like a Thon Makerish guy, but to me, he's more coordinated and athletic than a guy like that. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to talk more about JT Thor as well as Scotty Barnes after the break. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Um, you know, they've got everything from the good taste to being healthy. But, you know, I'm not a guy that normally eats protein, protein bars, but it is different with Built Bar. I love some of the flavors they have. You know, they got cherry, they got raspberry. I'm kind of more of a berry guy, but I also love how they're all covered in chocolate. That certainly adds to the taste. And of course, for health conscious guys like us, and like I'm sure many of our listeners, they are uh, very healthy and of course, uh, very good tasting. Because you're listening to this episode, you do get a free offer through us. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Go bet on those Seattle Mariners. They got the longest playoff drought in the major American sports. So you should go go place a bet on them. I would not uh, personally, but go to Bet Online. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including the MLB and UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contests information head to the website right now and sign up today and receive 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit use promo code locked on let them know you came from us again the promo code is locked on bet online your online sports book experts all right let's get into this yeah before we get too far into this i forgot to mention that JT Thor did say that he is, in fact, a fan of Thor from Marvel, which might be another reason I like him. I'm a big Marvel guy, so good to hear. Oh, that changes everything for me. Shoot. <laughs> You're out on him now, right? He just moved down 15 spots for you. No, in all seriousness, I think this might be a moment where Sam and Cody have a pretty big disagreement on where a guy should be placed. Yeah, okay, before we do that, I have... I've been thinking of this and I'm we're we're fans of all sports. So, Cody, I've been coming up with this cross sport like comparison analysis. So I'm going to give it to you and then I want you to grade me or tell me how good you think this is at the end. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the importance of the jump shot and spacing in the modern NBA and how that affects their roles. So. I know neither of us are the biggest baseball fans, but I think we both watch, you know, enough at least. So to me, the three-point shot and the importance of it 
is akin to the fastball in baseball. So I was reading an article this past week about how the velocity of the fastball has continued to increase. And it got me thinking how that is kind of similar to the three-point shot in basketball. Similar to basketball and the three-point shot kind of taking over, the MLB is having to tinker with the thought of moving back the mound or moving it down because the fastball and pitching has just become too dominant. There is the strikeout rate is higher than ever. In fact, Cody, you and I probably remember Roger Clemens, one of the best strikeout artists ever. And the the strikeout rate across all of baseball right now is higher than Roger Clemens' career average. So just how much the game has changed in baseball over the last 10 years, like pitchers need to have that fastball. If you're not throwing 97 plus, you're not probably going to make it unless you're special in other areas. So that's where I kind of like the comparison because, you know, a pitcher can have a lot of good stuff. They can have a nasty slider, a nasty curve, a nice sinker changeup. But there is no change of pace if there is no pace in the first place. So if that pitcher doesn't establish that fastball, then the rest of that isn't really going to work and they're going to get banged around. They're probably not going to make it. And that's the same for, for basketball. Like a guy like Scotty Barnes, like, yes, the IQ is important. Yes, the passing is important. But if he can't really shoot and the ball isn't really in his hands, then I think that's just a little overrated. And yes, he's got a lot of other nice ancillary features and skills that he can bring, but all of it just loses a bit of value when he can't either have the ball in his hands a lot or he's not spacing the ball out to the three-point line. So a lot of kind of interesting comparisons there, both kind of at the macro and micro level with kind of pitching dominating and three-point, you know, space, pace and space dominating the NBA. Anyway, just something interesting that I've been thinking about that the pitcher needs to set it up with that fastball and that's so necessary in baseball or in basketball, especially with the role player, you need to be able to shoot for the other things to be effective. So in this analogy, then Davis Bertans is a role chap. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can still bang him around a bit if you get on the fastball, but it's tough to catch up to the one Oh three. Yeah. And you know, a role Chapman, that's all he throws pretty much. And Bertans only takes three pointers, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm with you again. Like I've said it on the podcast before the most important skill you can bring. I still believe in the game of basketball always has been, always will be shooting. I think if you can shoot, you're going to make the team. You're going to be on the roster. You're going to find at least some playing time if you can do other things. I, Yeah, shooting the ball, and it, it's more true than ever. Uh, and that's why it is tough. And, you know, you can point out guys like Ben Simmons and be like, well, he's doing it without shooting. But that is the exception to the rule. There, yeah. For every one of the Ben Simmons types, there's, you know, 100 guys that – had the physical tools as well, but can't shoot and just could never really stick anywhere because they couldn't they couldn't bring it uh, offensively for the team. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, and you never want to fall for trying to draft the exception. It's something that we do see throughout history, you know, where certain guys or certain archetypes really become popular and all of a sudden the teams are trying to find the next Draymond Green or the next 
Steph or the next Jokic. But like you said, those guys are the exception and you're going to miss 98 out of 100 times. And because those guys are so unique, I mean, by definition, they are unique. You're not going to find another one. I mean, you'd be more successful finding the next unique, different player by just not trying to shoehorn them into, you know, a specific archetype like that. So, yeah, to your point, I think that is certainly the case. But NBA teams can never have enough shooting. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Warriors. And even with the best shooting backcourt of all time, they've still at times had trouble because they don't have enough shooting around them. And again, like a guy like Draymond Green, they have to really uh, mold the offense to him in a spe- in a specific way where he's given the ball. And the only reason that they do that is because he's one of the best defenders ever. So yes, if Scotty Barnes is one of the best defenders ever, then a team can completely mold and completely change the way that they build their team around him. But like we just said, you're not drafting for the exceptions. So you, that's just something you can't bank on. Yeah. And so where does that leave you with Scotty Barnes roughly for your board? So to kind of come full circle here, we always like to do the rankings at the end. These guys are going to be actually in a similar tier for me. I do have Scotty Barnes ahead of JT Thor because of the feel, because of the IQ, and because the skill level is a bit higher, and I think it's more realistic that that hits. Um, But similar tier for me, that jumper from Thor is intriguing, and I do really buy it. Um, so similar tier, I'd put them both in my lottery, which I know I said that the value of Thor for me is one of my favorites. Uh, so I'm much uh, higher on him than the consensus. Both of them are going to be middle to end of my lottery. Again, we've been saying this with so many guys, but somewhere in like the nine to 14 range probably is where I'm going to have them. Yeah. So for me, I do like Barnes as a better prospect. Uh, and I like JT Thor. I've told Sam before, uh, I'm not as plugged in as him on Twitter and what's going on with draft Twitter, but I've had JT Thor in my notes and was definitely higher on him than the consensus up until, you know, he's, he's caught some steam recently. Uh, but I, I think JT Thor is worth the swing if a team wants to do it in the first round. Um, you said you see him a lot in the second round, but I, I'm kind of one of those guys. If the team is sold on him, uh, they work him out, uh, they get the measurements. Uh, I totally think JT Thor would be worth the chance in the mid late first round if that's what a team wanted to do. So it sounds like I've got him at least, you know, ten maybe ten spots higher, just terms yeah. if talking roughly so that is a big separation i guess for us since we're usually <laughs> probably in lockstep with our our evaluations but i feel like that's been kind of a theme is I, i'm a little bit more risky or kind of buy into upside guys poku was one of those guys last year that was kind of one of our only i'd say differences evaluating players thor is kind of along those similar lines yeah yeah and i i like poku it was just really hard to to tell with his film. And then, um, yeah, I still liked him, but I definitely did not have him as high high as you did. And, yeah, I think he, after this first year, I looks to me, I think he's going to be a really unique and cool player in the league for a long time. 
All right. Any uh, any last thoughts on these guys, Cody, before we finish up? I don't think so. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Interact with Sam on there at Draft Dummies. Check out the other shows on this Locked On NBA Draft podcast. They are doing a great job. And then be sure to check out the Locked On Today podcast where you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Uh, host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of the local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcast. All right, well, we'll sign off and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you, listeners.